think of it. Seven van loads of crutches and wheelchairs and was taken from the ground and taken away with an army like marching behind his thing and only believe in Africa. India was yet farther more than that. But here it seems to be the American people are taught so many different ways, it's hard for them to grasp it somehow. Lovely, but hard to grasp it just to reach out by faith. It seems, and that makes a good target for fantastic, see, for some human element. We want to keep the human part away from it. It's God. Not whether man touches, it's God touching. It's, it's a finished work. It's something that Christ has already done for you. And it's your personal property, ever believer. And it's to look and live. The brass serpent could pray for no one, neither could it touch anyone. But they looked and lived. And it was a type of Christ. And if the type could do what it did, what would the antitype do when it comes? By looking and living. Now, I wish to speak to you just on a little gospel message. And then we're going to bring the people, the Lord willing. My son said he gave out a group of prayer cards on the emergencies, the kind that cannot wait for tomorrow night's climax service, as we're trusting God to have. And we're going to bring those people up, and I'm going to try to pray for them without looking into the vision for them just so I can get them to pass through and be prayed for because they are emergencies and we couldn't get to too many that we just couldn't do it. Now, I wish to read just a portion of the scriptures and before we do it, let us talk to the author just a moment as we bow our heads. Our kind Heavenly Father, it is with the very adorations of our hearts that we express our gratitude towards thee, the living God, forever being so mindful to send to us thy beloved Son as a Redeemer to redeem we unworthy creatures of the earth back to fellowship with thee. And as our minds tonight search back down through the corridors of generations back into the early times. What a beautiful fellowship it must have been when God called his children in the cool of the evening and communed with them. Then kissing them as it was on their cheeks and laying them down to sleep for a night's rest in the wild beasts of the field he bedded down Without any disturbance, any harm, no harm was there, no death, no sickness and no trouble. And to awake on a new day, to walk in the presence of the Creator without fear, without sickness. Oh God, our spirits groan for that time again. For that's what we were made for. And we pray tonight, Heavenly Father, if death is shadowing any person near tonight, 
that would not be prepared to enter back to this great blessing that was prepared for us before the foundation of the world? May this be the evening when they will make that one final eternal decision, saying to thee, Yes, my Lord, I will now believe on thee and take thee as my Savior. And may then you fill them with the Holy Spirit, baptizing them into thy beloved body of saints, and positionally place them that they may be workers in this great work of yours on the earth. Be merciful and heal the sick and afflicted, for in this thou hast atoned for at Calvary. And we feel that it is our personal property that thou hast given this blessing of redemption to every one that's been redeemed. And we feel we have a right to come to the living God and ask him these blessings, for he so graciously bid us to do it, saying, Ask the Father anything in my name, I'll do it. And now, Father, may the Holy Spirit take the word, open the book, and loose the power of the Spirit in the word, and may it find its resting place in each heart. For we ask it in the name of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Tonight, I have chosen just for a short time because there's quite a few that must be prayed for tonight. And I want all of you tonight to pray with me in the prayer line. But let's not think of the prayer line just at this time, but let's put our thoughts on something greater than the prayer line. Let's put our thoughts on the Lord Jesus and his return and his love for us. I'm going to read a familiar old text to you all, which is very familiar and perhaps your pastors and so forth has read it many times. Perhaps one of the smallest children here could quote it. It's the golden text of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As I was sitting in my room... Just a while ago, after having this time of fellowship with my good friend, Pastor Bose from Chicago, I was thinking, God, what shall I say tonight to the purchase of your blood? For coming before audiences, whether they are small or great, that does not matter. Last evening we uh, were speaking on that, how God meets with large numbers or small numbers, just wherever hearts are giving him welcome. And realizing that you have come tonight to express your faith and to open your heart to hear God's word, you to... I've many times wondered 
how it would feel to me if I should have the privilege of holding in my hand in a charger or a glass two drops of the literal blood of Jesus. What would I do with two drops of the literal blood of Christ? Oh, I believe I would take it to my heart and I would hold it and I would weep. But you know, in the eyes of him who shed his blood freely, I have a greater than that before me tonight. For I have been given the privilege to speak to the purchase of his blood. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life. So that little piece of scripture, just a teeny little one-inch square, on a, just a piece of paper, yet if the right attitude is taken to that scripture, it might change the, it would change the eternal destination of this world. It isn't the size, it's the quality. Some time ago I was reading where a little boy was up in an old attic, and in the attic he ran across a postage stamp of less than one inch square, and he takes it to a stamp collector, and this stamp collector gave him one dollar for it. Later it was sold for one hundred dollars, and it's gone from collector to collector. And I understand that now that same postage stamp is worth almost a quarter of a million dollars. Just one little piece of paper. But that isn't, the paper isn't what makes it so valuable. It's what's on the paper makes it valuable. And that's the way it is with John 3.16. It isn't how much scripture is written, it's what it holds. It holds a message to the world that God so loved. And now I would take for a subject, if it should be called that, for the next few moments, when divine love is projected, sovereign grace takes its place. And when God so loved the world, God's divine love to Adam's race, when he so loved it, Christ stepped out and sovereign grace took its place. God's love was met by sovereign grace. God's 
gave his only begotten Son. You see it? Now, I used to think that God was angry with me, but Christ loved me. But come to find out that Christ is the very heart of God. And in this beautiful type of the coming out of the children of Israel, how that Christ in type was the smitten rock. And the only way that those people, after searching everywhere for water, they were perishing. And Moses, God's servant, took the judgment rod, which it was a judgment stick, it had brought judgment upon the unbelievers of Egypt, flies, gnats, all kinds of diseases, afflictions. God's judgment stick that was waved in the hand of his servant smoked the rock, and rock gave forth its water. And a perishing people was saved. What a beautiful type of John 3, 16. God loved the world that he, the smiting of the just judgments that belong to us, they were all smitten on to Christ. And out of him came forth rivers of living water speaking of the Spirit that a perishing people might live the waters of life coming from him, a smitten sacrifice, an accepted one. And no matter how little, I love God for that. Some people say, well, it won't make much difference whether I receive it or not. It does. Well, I'm just a little housewife. I am just a little colored lady that lives back in the alley. It no matter who you are, that whosoever will, let him come. No matter how little, like the text, no matter how small it is, I've often wondered, as I go into the woods in the springtime, after the cold, blusterous winter, and I notice little teeny flowers, no larger than a half an inch, and I have to get down sometimes to see them. How insignificant it is to the great, stately oak that's standing by. But God is so mindful that he sees that this teeny little flower is taken care of through the winter, that it can raise again and spread forth its beauty. And in there is sometimes blue and red colors. God knows them, everyone. God is concerned about us all. A little girl taught us a lesson some time ago. When the famous King George, who I had the privilege of praying for, when the Lord healed him of multiple sclerosis, and he was visiting a Canadian city, 
and all the schools turned out, and they taken the Canadian flag and went to the street corner. And when the king passed by, I shall never forget the expression on my manager's face, Mr. Ern Baxter, a Canadian. And when the king passed by, suffering at the time with stomach trouble and multiple sclerosis, and he stood up or sat up by the side of his beautiful queen in a blue garment. And I've seen this 240-pound man that when the carriage turned the corner, the man threw his hands to his face and wept. And he said, Paint, the king is passing by. Then I told, What will it be someday? When the king of kings passes by, there was a little girl who was found after the streets was cleared. She was standing over by the side of a telegraph pole with her little hands up against the pole, weeping, sobbing her little heart out. And the teacher trying to find the child, she had her little Canadian flag across her shoulder and was weeping. And the lady said to the teacher, Dear, why do you weep? Did you not wave your flag to the king to show that you were a patriotic? She said, Yes, teacher, I waved my flag. She said, Then did you not see the king? She said, No, teacher, it wasn't that I did not see the king. I saw the king. She said, Then why are you weeping? She said, The king did not see me. Oh, how different it is with the king of kings. You cannot be too little. He sees every move you make. He knows all that's in you. He, not even the sparrow, could fall through the street without him knowing it. Not a little flower could come up, a little crocus, unless he knows about it. So how much more are you than the flower? And if you're laying here sick or afflicted, do you not know that the king of kings is watching you? Do you not know that he's interested in your healing and in your welfare? You may be ever so sinful, but did you know he's interested in you becoming his subject? You say, but I'm just an insignificant person. But you're not in the sight of God. God wants you. He loves you. And God so loved you that when his love was projected, sovereign grace taken its place and sent a Savior to redeem you back to himself. And in this Savior, 
He was wounded for our transgressions because God loved him. And God saw the afflictions of his people and with his stripes you were healed. God's grace making a way for his love required it. And when his love projected his feelings, Christ stepped out to take his place. It required something to take the place. His love alone went for you, and grace provided a sacrifice for you. Now you're only to ask to believe it. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Trusting that you catch the vision. Love is one of the greatest instruments that there is in God's great economy. God is love. The Bible said that he is love. And when you become one of his children, you become a part of that love. You're a part of God's economy. You become a subject of his domain. And when you do that, you become a son and daughter of God. And he said he would give you everlasting life. Now, if I'm not mistaught, and if I understand correctly, I have no education, just my grammar school, but I am taught by scholars who should know that the word used giving everlasting life in the Greek is called zoe, which means the life of God. Then God's love projected to you brings you and makes you a part of Him. In the new birth, then you become a child which is the born out or come from. And that puts you in relationship with God. So much that you're now sons and daughters. And God the Creator, who created all things by His power, through His spoken word, and everything that is, is the word of God made manifest. The entire world was made, and how we do error when we try to ignore God's word or try to limit God's power by our own imagination. For the very earth that you're setting over tonight is only the Word of God made manifest. God made the world by His spoken Word. Oh, my! The dirt! 
all of the minerals of gold, all the waters and everything that there is, is only God's spoken word. If not, where did he get it? Where did it come from? God said, let there be, and it was. Then what faith should we have in him and in his word? Then, when you become a son or a daughter of God, your disposition changes. Your attitude changes. Your, all, your look towards life and towards others changes. It doesn't mean that you just have joined church. It means that you have been regenerated. You have become a new creation in Christ Jesus, that you have, the old things have passed away, and God has spoken to you, and you have become a new creature. I want this to go way down even into church members. Then, as you would love to be in the presence of Christ. And you become a part of Christ, then people love to become in your presence because you become a part of God, son and daughter of God. Did you ever see people that you just love to be in their presence? There's just something about them that just radiates that you just love to talk to them. And other people who are nice people, yet we don't say this unkindly, but you just can't hardly stay around them. It is because of the atmosphere that you create. For you as a son of God or a minister creator, because you are a part of God. And that's the reason you can believe the Bible for anything it says, for the Word is God's Word. You being a part of God will agree with the Word. And do you understand that the reason that people said this is not inspired and that is not inspired and this is for another day? It's because that they have never become in contact, oh, no matter how many degrees they can show, that has nothing to do with it. But they have never become in contact with God to be born again. Oh, they may have jumped and they may have did this, they may be a PhD, they may have spoken tongues, they may have danced in the Spirit. But Jesus said, by their fruit you shall know them. For where the Spirit of God is, there's love, there's understanding, there's something that you like to be around. And oh, what a pity! In this hour that we live, that the church of the living God hasn't met this yet. For if God dwelt richly in our hearts, denominational barriers would never separate us. 
color lines or nothing else would ever separate us, for there is nothing present, nothing future. No matter whether it's starvation or what it is can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ All one great ransom church of God, standing together with one trump, letting God's word be the blueprint or the map that we're traveling towards glory with. You are Gentile, bond or free, Catholic or Protestant, should stand together in one great big army because of our relationship. And if we are God's children, then we are brothers. Not as sonships of God by everyone, but by regeneration we are sons of God. We are Adam's sons by nature. God's sons by birth. It works. Very much so. And I have noticed in my lifetime, as I'm getting to be an old man, watching how that that works. Now I'm telling you from an experience, and it's just exactly with the Word of God. At our own home, and try this at your home. If there ever was a home that it's confused and torn up much as ours. People from everywhere all over the world coming all the time in and out, day and night, all hours. And I have noticed here some time ago my lovely little wife of 37 years old and completely gray. She stood between me and the public. If there's any praises to be given to the Branham family, give it to her. The telephone run you a wild day and night. And I, the house had been full all day. And I went out, and my little children, little Sarah and Rebecca, were fighting over some play blocks. Little Joseph, the baby, sitting in the floor, screaming to the top of his voice. Wife in the kitchen with her face bearing into her hands. Weeping. When I finally got the house empty, some in this room, some in that room, some in the basement. And I walked in and I thought, oh, what a confusion. She put her arms around me. She said, Billy, I'm going crazy. She said, I haven't been able to get the children any dinner. Sometimes raging maniacs. Saying it reverently, a bunches, sometimes fanatics, running back and forth through the house, saying, The Lord said this, and the Lord said, If I ain't your manager, the Lord said this. Now, if the Lord wouldn't talk to me about that if he had something to say. But you can't help it, it's just in the human line. And she said, The children haven't had anything to eat, and I don't know what to do. Well, I thought, now there's just one thing to do. Now, I'm tired, but I'm going to do this. Now, Heavenly Father, in my heart, you help me to be 
what you would have me to be on this scene. And I thought, now, if I can just get her quiet. So I said, sweetheart, would you rush out with me for dinner? Oh, I'll have to clean up the children and this and that. And you could hardly hear yourself think little Joe was just beating the floor as hard as he could. So I slipped over and got an apron and put it around me. And I began to help her. And I said, honey, you know what? I saw the prettiest dress the other day. I just so wanted to get it for you. And it was in a certain city just here close. And we'll go get it. And all the time in my heart, praying, Heavenly Father, quieten this dear little woman. And I put my hand on her, not knowing her, not knowing what I was doing. I say, Yes, honey. Oh, it was beautiful. Oh, Lord, quieten this little woman. And just kept on, you know, her not knowing what was I doing was projecting, creating a different atmosphere. Walk in the love of God. Have fellowship. And in a few moments, she got quiet. And then when she got quiet, Sarah and Becky divided up the play block. Joseph got him something to play with, and there was peace in the home. What was it? Projecting love. They were mine. My children. My wife and I was God. And then God giving His Spirit. And through that Spirit, with love to my family, sovereign grace come in and quieten the family. It'll do it. I know it will. Here some time ago I was interested in a great thing was Mr. Krause of the Full Gospel Christian Businessman, many of you know him, a very good friend to our most honored and beloved brother, Oral Roberts. And so when Mr. Krause was such a good friend to Oral Roberts, oh, he said, if anything get wrong with me, I'm a friend to Oral Roberts. So. Finally, one day, Mr. Krause developed a kidney trouble. So he goes down to eat dinner with Brother Roberts. And Brother Roberts said, Oh, Brother Krause, that's just an iron thing to God. Ladies, hands up as Brother Oral with that real, excuse expression, but bulldog face. So his hand over on him and said, I rebuke it. said, Brother Krause, don't worry, you're going to get all right. And Brother Crowd said, I really felt better. But after a few days, it come back again. Said, I went down to Brother Roberts again. And said, the same thing taking place. Said, then I thought that I know William Branham, so I would go over to him. And said, he saw visions, so I would stand before William Branham. He's a good friend of mine. And then William Branham will be able to help me. So he called around and found out that I was in Shreveport, Louisiana. Mr. Krause and his wife flew down to Shreveport, and they come into the meeting, and he said, Brother Benham, I've just got a little time. Let us go to a side, and I would like to see what the Lord would tell me. 
I said, all right, Brother Crown, let us go aside. I stood there for 45 minutes, and the Lord said nothing. I said, I'll pray, Brother Crown. He said, if the Lord shows you anything, call me up. I prayed for him. He said, you know, I feel better. I believe the Lord just healed me without showing me any trouble. I said, well, we are thankful to God. So on that night, being a dear friend to Brother Krauss, I prayed for him, continually prayed. And about a few weeks, he come back again. He said, let us stand before the Lord and see what he'll tell me. I'm in a serious condition. I stood for another hour or more, and the Lord never said anything. So then away he went to the doctor. The doctor says, it's too much job for me. You better go to Mayo's. Up to Mayo's he went. Mayo's looked him over, and he said, Sir, you've got one chance out of a thousand to live. That is immediate operation. Well, he said, I'll take it. And he went out and he said, I thought if I was that close to dying, I'd better check up with God. So he said, Lord, you know I love you. And I've tried with all my heart to support everything that's right. He is a wealthy man. And he said, he manufactures plows. You may know him from Kansas. And he said, I have tried to live right, and you know, Lord, I love you. Now, if you are ready for me to come home, I'm willing. I've lived a good many days, and I'm willing to come. But, Lord, if you can use me, well, I am willing. He said, I have stood before your servant, Oral Roberts and William Branham, and it seems like that their prayers did not take effect to heal me, and said, maybe it's something that I have done, but surely you would have revealed it when I stood there before the discernment. He said, but if it's my time to come, I'm ready to go, and I love you, so I'm going to the operating room, the only chance that I have. And the doctors checked him again. And said, Mr. Krauss, are you sure that you want to take it? He said, I have prayed up, and I'm sure I want to take it. So in the operating room they went, and the last thing he said he remembered was saying, Lord, if thou art ready for me, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And they put him to sleep. And when he come to, the whole room began to turn light. And he seen the doctor standing around. And they run to him. And they said, Mr. Krauss, something has happened. We never seen an operation so perfect. And we thought you were going to die. But all of a sudden, you are normal. What was it? When divine love has been projected, sovereign grace come in to take its place. 
do. It must do it. A few months ago down in old Mexico, I was having a meeting. And one day, this I could not say is true. The only thing that I know is what I'm going to state. There had been a little baby that had been rejected by the doctor to die the day before. It was raining. They wasn't sitting in seats like you. They were standing like sheep in a pasture against each other, coming at nine o'clock at morning to hear me preach at nine that night. Standing in the hot sun, crippled, afflicted. And as I walked in the night before, the Lord had did some great miracle and piled on the platform in that big arena was piles of old, dirty clothes piled that high for me to pray over. Old hats, shawls. My heart was burning and it was raining. Outside, we were all outside in the open air. And then a little mother was screaming when I called for the prayer line. And Billy come to me and he said, Daddy, you're going to have to do something. Said a mother's baby died at three o'clock this afternoon. She's a little Catholic woman. And her baby is dead and she's got it covered up. And said when Brother Espinosa gave out the prayer cards, she didn't get one. But there isn't enough ushers to hold the woman from the platform any longer. She's got that baby and she's screaming to the top of her voice, Padre, Padre, which means Father. And I look down through the long streak of light and that little woman frantically, a beautiful little lady with the tears streaming down her cheeks and a wad in her arms screaming to the top of her voice. And I said to Brother Moore, standing on the platform, one of the managers, I said, go down and pray for the baby and maybe that'll console her. And the little mother's love for that baby. And as I turned to, to the audience to minister again, I looked and over the audience, I've seen a little Spanish baby setting up gooing. Brother Moore was trying to quieten her, but that didn't satisfy her little heart. A mother's love was being projected to God. I said, just a moment, Brother Moore, and I went down, and the baby was wadded up in some blankets. I could not speak Spanish or either understand it, but I just laid my hands on the little blanket that was wet. Now they tell me the baby had been dead since three o'clock. I don't know. I couldn't say. The dead people that I have got wrote in my book is all Spanish. That was risen, raised up by the Lord. The doctor would have to say so, or the undertaker. But. Laying hands on the baby, something let out a kick under that cover, and a scream you never heard in your life. What was it? Divine love had been projected. 
connected to the heart of the God of love and sovereign grace that back the vision for the healing of the child. Certainly, I remember a little hour after that, quite an hour, on the platform came a poor old Mexican man. His feet was wrinkled, he was barefooted, the gray whiskers on his face, his hair gray, and he was blind. And as he come to me, there's leading him along, and I looked and I thought, if my father would have lived, he'd have been about that age. And he was mumbling something, and when he got close to me, he took out a pair of, a set of these uh, rosary beads, and some of them said, you're doing better espinosas. He wanted to know where I was at, and here he was, feeling for my face. And I just stood still, and his old feeble shaking hands, and the great ditches in his cheeks, the tears were cutting away down his cheeks. And I thought that somebody's daddy, that some mother's child, and he started with his beads, and I said, that's not necessary, then. And he began to weeping, and he found my face, and he patted me, and he started to kneel down. I stood him up again. I thought, look at there. You see, friends, if you don't enter into the fellowship, if something in you doesn't cry out for each other, if something doesn't project the love, you know, people are not so foolish as they understand whether you're putting on or not. They understand it. Wildlife understands it. So you, you have to enter into that fellowship. And as the old man stood there, I looked at him and my heart began to beat heavy. And I thought, poor old man. Nature has been so cruel to you. You probably never sat down to a good, decent meal all your life. You probably never had a suit of clothes on in your life. I set my foot up the side of his. I was going to take my shoes off and put them on his old, dusty, wrinkled feet. But I seen they would not fit. With his shoulders much wider than mine, neither would my coat fit him. So I wept. How about oh, and after all this, then you're sitting in a world of darkness. You can't see where you're going. You never had a good suit. You probably never laid on a good bed. You never eat a good meal. And maybe never had a good pair of shoes in your life. And now you're in darkness. Oh, how cruel the devil can be. In that it was projecting love to the old man. And as I put my arms around him and hugged him to my bosom, 
not waiting for any vision, just holding him to my bosom. I said, Oh, Father God, be merciful to this poor old man. Somebody's daddy. And I heard him scream, Glory, adios. And I jumped back from me. He rubbed his eyes. He fell on the floor. He kissed my hand. He was hollering, Glory, adios, which means glory to God. And across the platform he went, seeing as good as anybody in the audience. What was it? Divine love projected, resulted in sovereign grace taking its place. Divine love can only go so far. But when it is held true to the end, sovereign grace takes its place and produces that which love cannot carry out. Oh, friends, that's what the church needs. It's not a new organization, not a bunch of fantastics, not an argument, not a debate. It needs a baptism of love, to love one another. It doesn't need new gifts. It needs love to operate the gift of God. That's what it needs. This may seem very strange, and if it does, well, we're going to meet again someday. Animal life knows love. I've watched it. Being a hunter and an outdoorsman, I have watched how God provided. I've watched the fish with a hook in its mouth. Don't worry about that. The acid of its body will eat it up a little bit. I've watched the dog swallow a bone. Don't worry about that. The acid in its body will take care of it. God has provided a way. Some time ago, in my home, I had a, I got one of these here power mowers, and I was mowing the yard at the parsonage. And I'd make a couple of rounds, and somebody would come in. I'd slip back and change my clothes, and run in and pray for the sick, and then maybe got mow another round. Somebody else come, and you know the grass was growing up in the front yard before I could get to the back again. It was so hard. So it comes that I was in the backyard on a hot August afternoon, and I had just went around, nobody to see me, and I pulled off my underneath shirt with just my bare skin from my waistline up. It was so hot in the hot mowing machine, and I was a mowing along, singing, Oh, how I love Jesus! Thinking about the goodness of the Creator above. And so packed away into the, the spirit of what I was thinking of, the Lord. And I forgot 
Down in the corner of the fence was a great big nest full of hornets. And shoving my mole and singing with my eyes closed, praying, I ran right into the nest of those hornets. And all of a sudden, without thinking, I was completely covered around with hornets. And they can take your life. They're great big things. One of them can flatten you on the ground. Now, this may seem just a little fictitious to you. But did you ever know that truth is more stranger than fiction? But something happened. I wish it could stay that way. Have you ever read my book at the Maniac out there in Washington? Have you read that? That maniac run to the platform, 260-pound man or more, and said, I'll break every bone in your body. And police and ministers sweat every way. And I was left on the platform with the maniac. Something happened. I weighed at the time 128 pounds. And the maniac stood like that, his teeth shut together, his eyes. He said, you snake in the grass, up here pretending to be a man of God. Said, I'll show how much man of God you are. I'll break every bone in your body. And he drew back his big fist and he was well able physically to carry out his threat. Something happened. Instead of despising the man, I felt sorry for him. I thought, poor man, you wouldn't treat me that way. Why, you are a man just like I am. You wasn't made to act like that. You were made to love and to be a father of your children and, and to love them and to love all men. You were made to be a son of God. But the devil has took a hold of you. I felt sorry for the man. And he said, walked up to me close and went, spit in the face. I looked at him. Oh, I've had it happen with witch doctors and everything. Don't worry. God with you who can be against you. So I looked at the man and I thought, poor man, I love you, my poor lost brother. Never said a word. And he walked up to me and he raised his big fist back and the crowd sitting breathless of 6,000 inside and for near that many standing in the rain, he threw back his big fist he had just struck a preacher. He was out of the insane institution. You might ask the police there. There was on the records today. And he hit a minister and broke his jaw and his collarbone, running there. And he run to the platform. And he said, this night I'm going to break every bone in your body. And I looked at him, not with hatred, but with love. And as he did and started towards me, something inside of me said, but tonight you'll fall over my feet. 
Fall over your feet, he said. I'll show you, you snake in the grass, whose feet I'll fall over. And he ran to me and threw back his big fist to strike me. I said, Satan, come out of that man. And his eyes stepped, his head went back, and he fell and pinned my feet to the floor. The police had to roll him off. Oh, that's it. Love. When those harness had me covered, and I knew that I'd be stunned to death in a few moments, instead of running or being afraid, there's only two elements that you can be controlled by. That is either faith or doubt. And that is doubt will accompany, a fear will accompany doubt. So, if you're, Jesus said, fear not. Don't be afraid. God keeps his word. No matter what condition you are tonight, God keeps his word. And closing now in a few moments. Listen close. What happened? I love those fellows. That seems strange. But I did. Now, here's why I, I talked to them. Now, I do not say they understood me, but somebody understood me. For I said, little creatures of God, I interrupted you. You were sleeping, and I interrupted you. But I am the servant of your Creator, and His sick children are in my home to be prayed for. And I was mowing the grass, and I'm sorry I disturbed you little creatures of God. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Creator, my Lord, hurry back into your house, and I will not bother you no more. And when I meet you at the judgment, those harnets swarming over me had never touched me as yet. And they lined up in a single line and went right straight back in their neck. Love projected sovereign grace takes its place. Seven years I was game warden in Indiana. One day while I was putting some fish in the water, I don't know why I'm saying these things, but crossing a field were a great bull had just killed a colored man, and he belonged on the pastor of Mr. Guernsey up at Sellersburg, Indiana. I forgot the bull was in there, for there were signs all around, do not enter. But I had a little old gun that I was supposed to pack, and I threw it in the car, and I was going across the field over the hill to pray for a sick man that I knew. And I was walking through the field, not noticing. And all of a sudden, right out in a bunch of bushes, up jumped this big killer. And he looked at me. He let out a roar. He threw his head down and hooked his horns into the dirt and threw him back. Immediately, I felt for my gun. It was in the car. There I stood alone. The fence was about 250 yards, the bull was about 30 yards. No trees nor nothing. 
I said, well, here is the end. I said, I do not wish to die as a coward, but I will stand and die as a Christian should die. And as I reckoned myself and that big fella turned around, I knew it must be death to be gored to death in a few moments. Oh, he was more than a match for my strength. And I'm thankful I didn't have the gun. Or something happened. Oh, excuse my emotion. But something happened. Love come down. Now, this may seem strange, but it's truth. I talked to that bull. I said, I disturbed you, but I am the servant of your Creator. I'm on my road to pray for my sick brother. I'm sorry I disturbed you. Now, you will not hurt me, for I love you. And how can you hurt me when I love you? And here you come. I was no more afraid of that animal than I am of my brethren sitting here. He come and I just stood there. And I said, I love you because God created you. I disturbed you and I'm sorry. And as he come close to me, I stood still, and he got within about ten feet. He threw out his feet and stopped, and he looked so depleted. He looked this way and that way. I said, in the name of the Lord Jesus, you creature of God's creation, go over and lay back down. And God being my witness, the bull turned around and laid down, and I walked in five feet of him. What was it? Death was at hand. Love was projected. And sovereign grace stopped the bull. Who has not heard the possum story? As a close, it went over the world. Last summer, Leo and Jean sitting here, my two boys that take the tape. Brother and Sister Woods sits right out there. Leo and Jean is two fine boys. They go with in the meeting, one of Catholic family and the other, and they formed a little FBI of their own. They were going to investigate me. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> and they've been going with me ever since. <laughs> taking tape recordings, and they're fine Christian boys. And when they did, they were sitting on the porch, and I called them my students. And I was teaching to them the love of God. Mr. Wood and Mrs. Wood, Miss Wood was a church of God, and Mr. Wood was a Jehovah Witness. And they had a crippled boy that had his leg drawn up. And they come to the Louisville meeting, and they seen the Lord doing the work. Mr. Woods, a very well-known contractor all over northern Kentucky, 
He said, I might have been a Jehovah Witness, but that's a God. So he goes to Houston, Texas, to the next meeting, and there's where the angel of the Lord come down and had his picture taken. Mr. Woods and Miss Woods was present to see it. I went overseas to Sweden. On my road back, I started my meeting up in uh, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. That night, they come to the meeting sitting way back and was sitting praying. And while I was on the platform, the Holy Spirit turned me around to their face and said something, maybe not these words, but on this matter. The lady and the man and the little boy sitting back there. He's a contractor from Kentucky. And they have a little boy that's crippled by paralysis that's got his legs drawn up. But thus saith the Lord, he's healed. They didn't know what to say. In a few moments, they said, David, raise up. David was as normal as any other boy. Love projected. He quit contracting, sold out, bought a little place next door to me and my neighbor. <laughs> Mrs. Woods is sort of a veterinarian. She loves animals and outdoors, a very fine lady. And her people are Methodists, I think. That morning I was teaching the boys on love, now closely before closing. I looked coming down the road and I seen a little object rolling and tumbling as it come down the road. And I looked, it was about, I suppose, 10 o'clock in the day, boy. And what it was, it was a possum. You know what possums are up here? Now, anyone who knows wildlife knows that possums travel at nighttime. They're blind in the day. So here was this possum traveling in the daytime. And he come down where there was no fences, two or three houses coming from the woods, about 500 yards across the highway. Here he come up the lane, and my house is fenced with a rock gate. And when the possum got even with my house, he turned in. And I looked, and I said, there's a possum, and something has happened. It's perhaps got rabies. And look how it's acting, tumbling, rolling, fighting, trying to get in. And Mr. Woods had been raking in the yard and had a yard rake laying there. And I said to the boys, come out here just a moment. And I run, got the rake, and threw it over the possum. At that time, the milkman come up, Mr. Gilmore. We were looking at the possum, and I said, it must have rabies. Oh, I said, no, look. Oh, excuse this, but maggots was all over its leg. Fly blows. The dogs that shoot it or either it has been run over by a car and mashed to pieces. Oh, I said, look how it's swollen up that great big leg, that bigness of other. I said, it's a, it's dying. And while I was holding the rake over the possum, to my surprise, a possum and a kangaroo is the only animals that pack their babies in a pocket. And her pocket let out and she had nine little tiny naked babies. And I said, come here, boys. I will teach you some more of the Bible. I said, perhaps this possum came in 
The day before, there had been a very fine, beautiful, young colored lady of our city that had had an illegitimate born baby and had wrapped it up in a blanket and smothered it to death and taken it out in a taxi cab on the river and dropped it in the river. And we were talking of that. So I said, that lovely young lady wasn't nothing like the mother that this possum is. Not because she was a colored girl. No. White girl, brown girl, yellow. They all do the same without Christ. But I said the morals of this possum is better than the morals of that woman. For that woman didn't want her baby. And she took its life. The police had her in jail. But I said, this old mother possum hasn't got over 30 minutes to live. And she was abiding on the lake for all she could do. Usually when you touch them, they, what you call, play possum. So, but she was making her way somewhere. And I said, she is biting this rake, and she's so frantic. But she's a real mother. She'll give this last 30 minutes of her life fighting for her babies. I said, that's mother love. She loves her babies. I raised up the lake. On went the possum rolling. And it went right up to my door. And there she fell and exhausted. I said, she's dead. And I went up there and I punched her with the rake, but I seen she wasn't dead. She could still little grins on the side. And I looked at that leg, leg all spraddled out, and those little babies nursing on that poor dying mother. And then Mr. and Mrs. Woods come up. And Mrs. Woods, which is a dear, sweet Christian woman, but in her terms of knowing, uh, being kind of a veterinary, she said, Brother Danham, kill the possum and get it out of its misery. And said, the little one has a round mouth. They cannot take a bottle. And they're too young. Anyhow, they're just a few hours old. So you'll have to take the little ones and kill them. Oh, I thought I can't do that. I said, I just can't. Oh, she said, Brother Branham, you are not going to let that poor thing lay there like that. And then little possums nurse that milk from that dead mother. They'll die a horrible death. Now, the woman was right. But something in me wouldn't let it happen. She said, well, you're a hunter. Go get your gun and shoot her. I said, I'm a hunter, but I'm not a killer. I said, but I can't do it. She said, let Banks, that's her beloved husband, my buddy, said, let him kill her. I said, I can't. said, do you mean you're going to let that poor animal lay in that hot sun and those little ones scorch with their little naked bodies against the direct rays of this sun today? And her lay there, groaning, sniffing, 
dying. It looked like the humane thing to do, but I just couldn't do it. I talked to Leo and Jean. Later on, they left. All through the day she lay there, I went. The little pop was still trying to nurse. That night, Mr. Woods came up and he said, Now, Brother Branham, you've been busy all day. You just got to leave everything alone. Come on, we'll take you a little ride. We got the wife and we went out riding. Now, I found a little old dog laying on the side of the road, mange, eating, flea-bitten. And I picked him up to the fleas that's running over my hands. And my wife said, Billy, you're not going to take that. I said, but honey, he's just a little fella. Somebody dropped him off because he's mangy. I said, he has the right to live. And I took him home, washed him up, dosed him up, prayed for him. He's a fine big collie dog. When I went back in about 11 o'clock, there lay the old possum sprawled out. Brother Wood said, well, now she's gone. And the little one's still nursing. I said, well, maybe she is. But why don't you kill her, Billy? I said, I just can't. So my boy come in around midnight from the river fishing, and there lay the old possum still laying there. All night I thought of that possum. I just couldn't get it off my mind. And the next morning early, I got up, went outside. And when I went outside, there lay the old possum. Mr. Wood said to me that night, you know, Brother Bam, if that possum ever was going to move, it would move when the sun went down. I said, you've trapped and hunted enough to know it. I said, that's right. And the next morning I went out and I've got a little girl that saw her first vision just recently. A little 11-year-old girl. She come out on the porch with little Rebecca and she looked over at that and she started crying. She said, Daddy, she's a real mother, isn't she? I said, yes. Yeah. I kicked her with my foot. She had dew all over and the blow flies still on her. Said, Daddy, what are you going to do with that mother possum? I said, Honey, Daddy don't know. He said, You're going to kill her, Daddy? I said, Daddy can't do it, honey. I said, Sweetheart, you're up too early, just a little pajamas on. I said, You go and get in the bed with Mommy. So I hurried her off into the room. I went out into the den room and sat down. I thought, Oh, God, how that poor old mother possum has suffered. How she must love those babies. And as I sat there, I thought, well, I hope I don't have to see her killed. And as I was sitting there, something said to me, you were preaching yesterday about her. You used her as your text. I said, that's right. You said she was a real mother. I said, that's right. But I sent her to your door, and she's laid at your door like a lady for 24 hours, waiting for her turn to be prayed for. And you've never said a word. I said, well, I didn't. I said, who am I talking to? Am I talking to myself? I jumped up. I thought, oh, is that you, God? And I 
walked out on the porch and little Rebecca standing there looking at the mother possum yet. She comes back from the house. I went out to the possum. I said, God, I know that you know every flower. You know every spell. And then this great horrible thing has happened to womanhood of this beautiful young girl that killed her baby. And you wanted to show that you can even leave the animals. And she come up and laid at my gate waiting for her turn to be paid for. I said, I am sorry, God, that I did that. I said, I didn't know it, God. I would have done it. But I said, if it be your divine providence that you have sought this and want me to pray for the possum, this I do in Christ's name. Help her, Father, if her love for her babies has been so great. I thought, oh, God, what would you do this? And when I said that, now it may seem strange. It's when, oh, I've got letters from Africa, from India, from over the world about it. The Associated Press, I think, caught it. And that old mother possum raised up, dipped her little ones into her pocket, walked down that lane just as normal as any other possum could walk. That tail hooked up, got down to the gate and turned around as if to say, thank you, kind sir. And across the road she went into the woods and as far as I know is happy with her babies tonight. If God could think that of a possum, how much more can he think of you when your love is produced and projected into the heart of the living God? If God, by instinct alone, that possum didn't have any soul. It was a dumb animal. And if that could be done that way by the instinct and the Holy Spirit could lead an old mother possum there, knowing that he'd have me to pray for that possum and her life would be spared, how much more are you than a possum? Why have you come here tonight to be prayed for? Where is your soul standing with God is my question. Let us bow our heads just a moment. I suppose at least I don't know why you're so lovely. And I know some day after tomorrow perhaps we'll has to be separated from miles apart. While we are sitting with our heads bowed, I wonder if I ask this, if God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but will have eternal life. I wonder, have you appreciated that in such a measure that you have expected this gift to you of eternal life? Now, be honest. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Have you been strangely thinking of something? Oh, I've just been a church member. I have 
never received his love for me to make my life what it should be. I would like to have it. I want God to come to me tonight and fill me with his spirit and forgive me of my sins. Would you just raise your hand to God while your head bowed? Ah, oh, well, God bless you, God bless you, lady, God bless you, 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 sir, you, you, oh my, God bless you, you, lady, you, 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 brother, you, you, brother, you, sister, you, brother, you, oh, this all over the building, God bless you, my brother, God bless you, my sister, there. Up in the thousands now, how many up there would say, Brother Brandon, I'm going to be honest with God? Something has spoken to my heart since I've been sitting here. Really, I'm not what I should be. God bless you, brother. I now raise my hand. God bless you, lady. God bless you, lady. God bless you, son. Oh, my. God bless you, little girl. God bless you, lady. God bless you, lady. God bless you up there. Ah, God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my brother. Somehow, brother, that way in my heart, God bless you, my brother. I'm being very strange and warm, but there's something that's been lacking in me. I want God to sit it right now with his love. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, God bless you. Oh my, just everywhere. I want God just now in His mercy. While I'm loving Him, I want Him to give me such divine love. The solid grace will send back the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon me to make me a different person. How many here have already accepted Christ have never been filled with the Holy Spirit? And you want to love God so much that He appears to the Holy Spirit and you raise your hand. Oh, all over the building, everywhere. Where at least 200 or 150 more sinners have raised their hands some two or three hundred or more people see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If God so saw the poor old mother's coffin, how much more does he love you? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You say, Brother Brandon, what would it mean if I raised my hand? It's the difference between life and death, are you? Oh, it's just a little thing I know of those young preachers But it's the difference between life and death. That's what it means. Jesus said in St. John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come to the judgment but pass from death to life. Would there be another one that's outside of sight that never raised your hand? would raise it now and say, remember me, God, here I am. Here I am, up in the balcony, God bless you, God bless you, sir, you. That's good one. But to be another, 
church somewhere outside of Christ and God bless you, sir. God bless your hand. God bless you, little lady. Oh, it's a real thing to recognize that the living God is present now. To do all these things that you could not do yourself. God bless you, sir. That means the difference between life and death. Some on the bottom floor getting the face. Remember me, God, I'm raising my hand. Not so much for Brother Brandon yet, but I'm most used to seeing God. God bless you, wear against the wall there. God bless the color baby, I see you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Down the hall on the outside, the corners up there. They can't get in. Would you raise your hand? Anyone out there say, remember me? God bless you, man. God, be sure. Down to the other corner of the place, would you say, God, remember me? I want to be remembered, Lord. And this night I'm raising my hand as a sign that I now believe and accept the love of God. If you belong to church, you're church member, that's all right. But I want you to be a Christian plus a church member. All right, is there another just before we pray? God bless this little boy sitting here. God bless the lady up there. Oh, sure. Just another little thing. God bless you, son boy sitting there. A little boy about two years old. The Bible says, Suffer little children to come to me for big enough. God bless you, my brother sitting there. Certainly. I have been strangely moved in my heart, brother Brandon. Someone came to me and said, Make it right just now. I'm the love of God that's knocking at your heart. I, I want to come in tonight. I so love you that I gave the best I had. Now, when you give me your life, what does it want to do with it? Destroy it? No, raise it up again. When the cold winter is over, you'll come like a little flower. You'll come back as a new man, young man, young woman. And be forever that way. No more old age or wrinkles, gray hair, broken down body, sickness will bother you after resurrection. You'll be immortal, made like it. You have a choice tonight. All right. I'll be bowing here. Finish the scriptures on the piano. Oh, God. This is the hour. This is the time that were many hands as well. They're sincere, Lord. And I just servant, I'm interceding for them. I'm asking mercy. God grant it. And may they all be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And may the love of God that's shed abroad by the Holy Spirit fill each heart. And may they walk out of this building with all their grudges and their differences all done away with. We know that sin is black and dark. But the utmost part of the sin can only be a drop as it would fall from an ink dropper into a 
great big hell of bleak. Try to find it again. Oh, it could not be found. When ink is dropped in the bleak, evil ain't become bleak. And when the unrighteousness of a kinetic sinner is dropped into the blood of the righteous, they become the righteousness of God. Jesus, we take your word for it. Thy word is forever true. When you said, He that heareth my word believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall never come to the judgment but pass from death unto life. And I pray only a service could do for each hand that went up. Thou knowing their heart will give to them the very satisfaction of every need that they have. May never will I shake their hands even on this earth, but when all the life is over, and someday when we gather at the close of the day, and the great wedding supper is set, and we see the three beings of all ages around the table, and as we look across the table to each other, a little tear will creep down our cheeks when we see our friend has crossed over safely. Then the king will come out and wipe all tears from our eyes. Then do not cry, it's all over. Enter into the joy of the Lord has been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. God grant every person in divine presence tonight will be in divine presence then. If we have found grace in our sight, we offer thee this prayer. In there we have in the name of our beloved child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. I don't mean to be a baby, the weak, but there's just something about the Holy Spirit that just makes it not weak for sorrow, but for joy. Just something brings forth. Think how the angels must be rejoicing just now. How many feel real, real good in your soul? Would you just raise your hands to God? Oh, my. I wonder if we could sing just once more as we did last night. I will praise him. Will you give us a card, sister, if you will? All together now. Somebody help me here. I'm not a singer. And somebody help me to be Kenya, Dr. Vegas, would you? While we sing, I will praise him. Praise the land for sinners slain. 
That's why I want to be sent right here if you can. All right? And now we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you one thing. You people who just came to Christ, will you do this? Do this. Tomorrow morning, if you live in the vicinity here, go to some good church and say, Pastor, I, I want to join this church. I want to be baptized. I want to cut my membership here. Now there's a, a church that's cooperating here. It's called the, uh, the Four Square Church. There's one called the Four the Church of God. Brother, they don't tell us about Have you announced it? All right. Find your places. And take a one day on the Eastern Reservation. Our sister be gone in Christ's name. Now we do a head bow just a moment. I, I honestly, I, I don't see this. I want you to know that. A growth, a little enough that is sitting right here in this little baby place in her throat, right here, has been taken away by the Lord Jesus Christ. A little enough, not like that, sitting here on her throat, has been taken away by our God. Let us give him praise and say thank you to God. Now, there is a man Now, Sir, we know that only God can do this, and I, I know that He did die for that church. And now I, the angel of the Lord sent me to pray for the sick. That I know. Now, and told me if I get the people to believe in the sick, that He can heal the sick. Not because of my faith, but because His word be fulfilled. Now, will you praise Him if He will be giving all the glory for I pray that He will say, Now, here's the opportunity. Have you been here nights before? This is your first night. You've never seen the visions of the Lord's work. Now, I'm going to ask each one to bow the way to this paralyzed man with the stroke, that you will pray with all your heart with me, that our prayers together might help this poor dear brother. You are Christian. Now, kind Heavenly Father, we are so in love with you. And we know that Thou has all the power in heaven and earth. And I'm thinking of this dear man standing here dragging this foot, this arm hanging down, standing at his side. Satan has determined to afflict him and stop him. And we have prayed with all our hearts. I see that the love that is within 
want to see you blind. But Jesus of Nazareth touched the blind man by the spirit of and he received his sight. You believe that God will see you tonight? Now let us bow our heads with him. Oh, merciful Father God, in whom we love and trust, we give thee praise and glory. In the presence of this audience, we thank thee for Jesus God's Son and praise thee for his holy grace for us. And if thy presence is here, he is the sick. And making me quick as well. And now this our dear sister comes in confession of her faith, knowing that she's going blind. But she has come to thee as your servant I earth to Christ. And with my hands upon her, as a commission of God. I ask that the blindness go from her eyes and effectively leave her body and she will remain throughout her life for good sight. In Jesus' name, this is that. Now with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, just a moment. Now, in Christ. Now, sister, not knowing how well your eyes were, I don't want you to look that for me. Do you see all that? You see me well? Can you see me better, different from what you see when you're not in the right place? Could you tell me every time how many fingers I have? Okay. Can you see that you're blind? Can you read that? All right, can you read it? The lady could not read the blue eyes without a blessing, and here she is not to read the Bible. Praise the Lord. Is she good? Can you see all right? Raise your hand if that is so. Now let us give God praise and thank you for the Thank you. God bless you, sister. And I believe you'll be all right. And the Mrs. Brown baby is going to have the stomach trouble. Stomach trouble. That is a horrible thing, sister. The eating, the nervous system lays in the stomach. And when the stomach is out, the food doesn't digest right. It's a novel thing. I suffered so much with it when I was a young man. But the Lord healed me. And I'm sure he was. You're a Christian. And you believe the Lord will make you well. And you're conscious that I'm just your brother, but Jesus is the Christ who is sure to make you well. Shall we all be bowed away and pray with you? Now, my heavenly Father, as this nervous little lady comes here, with her head bowed, 
and she knows you are a great physician. And her love is reaching out now to the very end of And that's why she's standing here. Her love is reaching out. And God is reaching down. And when God is projected like this, surely our grace will take its place in the Granted, Lord, I ask that in Jesus' name and for His sake and His praise, Amen. Now, sister, of course, right now, in nothing visibly can be shown that your stomach is healed. But do you believe that it is? You would all your time? All right. Now, you just go ahead and just like you always did, giving God praise, and you give us your testimony. Will you do that? Thanks be to God for your giving God praise. My request to afflict with a nervous disorder. That is a hard thing. It's a serious thing. That is serious. It's an awful thing. A shadow of God in the light. And it always makes me so upset. But, you know, everybody keeps saying, oh, get next to yourself. How? How is it when somebody is hungry? But you stand perhaps now feeling now. But it's just all easy. But you know that Jesus can make you well, don't you, sister? And God bless you. Now let us bow our just a moment for this little nervous sister. And Father, this is some mother's darling baby. Perhaps some man's wife, maybe some child's mother. And she stands here with a gloom. Satan is making her nervous. Oh, he would have had her to commit suicide. He would send her to the insane asylum. Oh, or just set it up as dead, but against the wall. But she come forward to confess her love and is reaching out just now to the end of all things. Oh, God, send down power and grace and may the Holy Spirit drive away the sin from her and may right now it leave her and may it never return again and may she be happy all the rest of her life free from this through Jesus' name. Now we hear it again, bow to Now, Mr. Morton, look this away. Has it left? You feel all right? It's all right? Amen. Now you can raise it. Now you can go off the platform, happy, rejoicing, praising God, and we let us hear from you. God bless you. Little boy coming to be 
who are now projecting to be their love, along with the sister who has sweat in her body, and she is here to believe and to expect and to send forth her love to thee to walk out before these people tonight, before man to pray for her, believing in thou will condemn the disease of her body and will extend her good health to her. Oh God, with all my heart, I pray that you'll grant this blessing to her. In Jesus' dear name, I ask it.